Hey, what's up, everybody? 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 This is Gary Owen with the Get Some Podcast. All right, my guest this week, after my long bingo rant, ah, my guest this week, my guest this week, my guest this week by popular demand, he could take the credit for getting me started in stand-up, if I'm being honest. (laughs) My guest this week is eating lunch. (laughs) My guest this week is Tahiri Mori. Oh, sorry. You would not be confusing me with Tahiri. That's what you're not. I do have my mother's hips, but uh, yeah. that, that's about it. But this guy that helped hire me, Dallas Jackson. I did hire you. Yeah. Michael Jai White is my guest. What's up, y'all? <laughs> I don't know where to look. Lord Finesse. Guest this week is Bill Bellamy. Yes. Ari Spears. Tony Baker. What's up, man? Most people know him as Jordan Rock's brother. <laughs> <laughs> My guest this week is my drinking buddy. You ain't lying. Drinking buddy sounds like the best thing ever. We've done one movie together. (laughs) Undercover Brother 2. Very high budget movie. (laughs) Avion Crockett's my guest. He saw Ed Norton butt naked in American History X and saved him in the shower. Was that a shocking scene, guy? Hey, man. (laughs) Let me get five intro. One of the top hip-hop DJs, stand-up comedians, Russell Peters. He is I. Uh, Baps, how to be a player. I wasn't in Baps. Sorry about that. Okay. I thought you were Halle Berry. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but doing a show with you is always a good thing. I want people to know after hearing this podcast, you have been and and probably still are. I mean, you know, I'm not in your business to know, so I can only assume. One of the most gracious individuals uh, in the stand-up comedy space with giving work, you know, because you're not obligated to give anybody anything. You know, when you're doing these shows and you're a headliner, you're putting it together and you can be a guy that want to do it by yourself and, and you know, have an opener or not have an opener or find new talent or don't find new talent. But you've always been a guy that just gave those random calls. So, you know, as the up and coming comic, when you were making those calls, it's like, oh my God, this money is right on time, unexpected, but you were on the end of making those things happen, you know, often. You did you did that a lot for me in those beginning stages, man. And, you know, it's something that you just can't forget. You can't forget, and it's humbling to know the the good guys. And I think that's the reason why you've just maintained uh, a level of success throughout all these years of comedy, because you're all over, you're just all around good dude. You're a good fucking dude. I, I don't hear people say bad shit about Gary Owen. Well, that's good. Thank God. That'd be the worst. No. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Gary. Your your podcast is about to be unfucking believable because your your memory and your ability <laughs> to to rejog this information is uncanny. It's it's yeah. outstanding. I don't do drugs. Outstanding. No, this is <laughs> no. Do you remember it's my first weekend at Caroline's, my first headlining gig. And, you know, New York, you're thinking that's a huge deal. Yeah. And I, so here's what's funny. I get on the phone with you, not knowing where your career was going to take you. Um, and, I'll, and then Patrice O'Neill did a guest spot, not knowing where his career was going to take him. And then Chris Rock came and did a guest spot, like, my first night, Thursday night. And I was like, wow. looking back, that was an epic weekend. <laughs> what do you mean epic? That's major. 
That's major. But you know what it is, though? Even, and I mean, of course, we know this now after being in comedy for as long as we have been. The culture of comedy in New York, if doing a spot like that, is about the drop-bys and about, you know, embracing those that are coming through that are trying to get a, you know, a little spot or whatever. So I think that that was a, I think that was a dope-ass thing that they dropped by and that you got that memory of guest spots. It was probably a couple years later, me, you, Patrice O'Neal, and one other comic. For some reason, we all met at Caroline's, and then we ended up walking towards the cellar, <laughs> and the white dude got mad at us. He walked through the middle of us and took us all his, his aggression towards me because I was the white guy with the black guys walking. As Do you remember that? As he should. <laughs> As he should. That's anger that was, that was directed to the right individual. Anything that happened was your fault because you're the only one with this. Yeah, that's, that, that definitely should have happened. Nah, that should not have happened. <laughs> it should have happened. It's the I white guy. I don't, I don't think you realize I was with you guys. No, no. And if he had asked us, uh, I probably would have lied. I don't know him, sir. I don't know him. If, yeah. if well, Patrice is ready to fight. I remember that. Patrice is like, man, I wish he'd bring his white ass over Of course, of course like, he would. Oh. Patrice is a full-fledged lunatic, man. That's why you yeah, gotta love like, him. Patrice yeah. was ready for smoke at any uh, at any given time. But that's what made Patrice Patrice. That's what made him special. Oh, that's, you know what? That's what it was. The, okay, it was me, you, Patrice, and one other person. I can't remember who the other comic was. It was definitely a black guy. The white guy walked in the middle, and <laughs> Patrice is the one that didn't move. We all, like, stepped out and let the guy walk by Patrice's. And then the guy, like, he must have hit Patrice's shoulder or something. But he waited till we were a good block away, and then he turned around and started yelling at me, though. Yeah. And I was like, why is he yelling at me? Well, because it's obvious. <laughs> you probably told Patrice not to move. It's obvious that it was a plan <laughs> that was orchestrated by the white guy. I clearly understand right. his point. I'm, uh -huh. uh, I see his POV very, very clear. <laughs> Thanks, Kev. Appreciate it. <laughs> that your memory, that your memory is amazing, man. These are, these are really good, good stories, but more importantly, just fucking great memories. Cause you, you know, you for, you forget just how much you actually did and, and how much you've been attached, you know, to legendary comics when you talk about patrice i mean you're, you're really taking me down memory lane about those new york nights man and and how how much of patrice i really got to see it's so dope to say i knew him you know what i mean like knew him mm -hmm. knew him now that his legend is is really embraced and and you hear people celebrate his craft um uh, you know now that he's he's passed away but to know that like i was a a real friend and i i was around him and i got to see the good the bad the ugly but i had these moments that i hold on to and it it obviously seems like you have the same thing you got some crazy memories as well okay so now you get the part in power when did like the first time you're out like out to eat at a nightclub or getting coffee and somebody just stopped you like, you, Tommy. Right after season one. And this is, this is going to be, I, you know, man, I, I'm surely trying to choose my words wisely in our current climate. It was when kind of a barrage of being called the N-word that I was like, whoa. Oh, they were but, calling you, know, you and, the N-word. Right. Right. As in my N-word. Right. Like that's, there he is. Out of affection. This guy, right? Out of affection. 
Yeah. And so I was like, I was like, wow, you know, um, that's a compliment because you know, luckily and and for whatever reason, but it's luck, lucky that I grew up with people of all different colors and creeds. You know the difference immediately. And I will say that, uh, and this is not belittling to um, a white community, but the black community calls bullshit fast. So Quick. I was like, good, I did a good job, you know, I'm, and and because that's that, that's Tommy's that guy. Yeah, like, and did they expect you to act like Tommy yeah. when they approach you? I, I, that's, that's why I always tried to kind of limit my interaction with people because I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Good to see you too. Now get the fuck out of here. <laughs> because I'm like, I don't want to blow my cover because I would be like, oh, that's so sweet. Like, can I buy you a drink or you good? But you know what? Here's the funny thing. Tommy being such an iconic character, especially... And the black community, you can literally be like, hey, get the fuck out of my face. They'd be like, yo! Yo, he just that's told him! Me to I told you! This is <laughs> Yo, that's really him! He's not yeah. playing a character! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a friend of mine was um, ser serving a long sentence and he had just been transferred from Sing Sing. He, was, he did 12 years and his last year and a half he was at uh, Queens Correctional. So it was finally closer and I, I was able to go visit him every week. And I was in there talking with him, uh, and uh, this guy looks over at me, looks over twice, and he's like, yo, that's, Tommy's right there. This shit is real. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the, what, another person visiting an inmate? Yeah, another person visiting an inmate is telling his buddies, like, you see that guy? That's Tommy. Tommy from Power. <laughs> Dude, that's what I was talking about. This shit is real. And depending on how long... That uh, his friend was in prison. He's like, yo, we don't have stars. Exactly, exactly, exactly. The, the guys, who, because some of the guys who had just been at Queens Correctional who weren't transferred in did see the show because this is probably like season. I guess this is season three. But my friend was just like, he's like, I don't know Tommy. I know Joe. You know, <laughs> like that's my guy. But yeah, it was it was very it was very funny. But he did say, yo, you blessed me because. When I went down there, all the COs, I would take pictures with them. They'd be like, yo, Tommy, can you wait around for one second? I'd be like, yeah. They're like, after I go get my stuff out of the locker, they'd be like, let me, can I take a picture? Oh man, my daughter loves you or this or that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, so taking pictures. And then they're like, who are you visiting? I'm like, here's his name, here's his number. And he's like, yo, that did really help me out. Believe me, listen, I don't, I don't act like while we're, we're sh swapping buddies in prison stories, but <laughs> I, I got a buddy also that's, uh, that's serving time in Folsom, and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll go visit him, and it's similar. To, the same type of things happen. The guards will be like, who are you here to see? And they immediately, they're not as cold. I still got to follow all the rules and regulations, but they're mm -hmm. not as hardcore, like right on the line. You're not bringing yeah. this in. They're like, hey, Gary, yeah, the um, locker's back there. <laughs> well, and they're, I think that the fortunately and unfortunately to, to our, our friends, the incarcerated friend, is that um, it, I think it forces the correctional officer to humanize that person even more. Mm. Um, I mean, I wish they did it with everybody, and you know, I don't know how much we're going to get into the present state of uh, the police right now, but um, I think that that's a kind of an overriding theme is, is the humanization of, of people, I mean, especially black people, but of anybody incarcerated. Yeah, and I've, I've uh, I don't know if you did this, but when I went to, when I go to visit my buddy, it's, I guess, I think it's like $2 and they get the, pol they can get a Polaroid, you can get a picture oh, yeah, of you. Oh yeah, the Polaroid, yeah. <laughs> I, I swear um, I took at least 10 pictures one time <laughs> with just friends and family. And, the, and it was the guy that was taking the pictures that collects the money, like mm -hmm. gave my boy a free picture 
<laughs> that was the trade-off. If I take pictures with these other people, he was giving him a free picture. You know? Or at the vending machine, somebody'd be like, yo, Tommy, you want something? Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, man, let me get let me get a Snickers. Like, I'll, all right, dude, thanks. Yeah. Want Tommy a Snickers, all right. Borat comes out, you're on tour with Kat. You probably got an insight to Kat that a lot of people doesn't have. Kat's always been cool to me. I got, I don't have anything bad to say about him. I got great Cat Williams stories. I've known him since it was Cat in a Hat with the one tooth. And he had, oh fuck, I just got COVID. I put my hand on my mouth. Good, you touch because me. you shouldn't it. be talking about the fucking teeth no yeah. goddamn way. No. Oh, he had the that one tooth. That was before Friday afternoon. Yeah. You know, I had no goddamn money. <laughs> that's when you know you're starting to make money, though. I go, first thing you do that's is get the teeth fixed. Oh, Cat got his tooth fixed. Right. <laughs> Cat, I didn't say that shit. You want me to kick this motherfucker? No, but he did. He had one tooth he for the longest. Did he have one tooth in Friday? When he no, got next Friday, he, he had, had fixed a by whole now? area that was out. Oh, I just remember the one tooth. You don't remember no goddamn one tooth. He it was the, no all teeth. of them. They were all out. Well, most of them. What the well, fuck, it's been Gary? Twenty years ago. I don't know. I thought he had What'd one you tooth. Get fixed when you made this money. is all bridge. How many years were you on tour with Cat? One, one year on tour. Then we made the movie American Hustle after yeah. the tour, and then we did spot dates after that. Then we made a couple movies, you know, school dance and. Um, so you know Cat better than anybody. When's the last time you talked to Cat? A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Is he in a good place? He's doing good? He's in a great place. Yeah. yeah. He's always been cool to me. Don't forget, Cat won an Emmy for a show that didn't win an Emmy. Bam. He's, he's one of those guys, I always said, like, when I was coming up and we was open micing in the late 90s, and he, he was, you know, he's wearing the Kango hat with no teeth in the front. But you hate it. When you saw the lineup at the Laugh Factory or the Improv... When you saw Cat in the Hat, you were like, fuck, I don't want to go after that. Because <laughs> well, he had that. Suggested he had that biggie joke. Cat's so good at visually showing you the joke. Have you ever okay. heard my Cat Williams story? The coolest thing Cat ever did for me? Why are you so obsessed with Cat? You know don't him. Don't you know anybody else to talk about? I was going to tell you a cool Cat story since he gets so many bad stories, but you don't want me to talk about him anymore, which we really haven't because every time we bring his name up, it sidetracks into something else. We haven't really told one fucking story about Cat. Why don't you interview fucking Cat then? You were here to talk about Well, me. that's who I wanted. <laughs> and he didn't call me back. All right? And now ask yourself why. I don't know. He don't <laughs> fuck with you. That's why. Is that the one that's one of the people that like me? That's one of the people that like Cat. Do you think Cat has kids in ninth grade? <laughs> You're going to be assassinated. That's what's going to happen to you. If Gary Owen come up, Cat Owen with no ass. If Gary Owen come up missing. Hey, that's about your fucking junior high story. Do you think Cat went to a PTA meeting? <laughs> I bet you he went to a PTA meeting. That'd be cool to see Cat at a PTA meeting. That'd be real cool. I wish somebody would leave Cat's kids alone. I'd like to see what he would do. I think he's seen him roll up with six bitches from South Central. Cat and six bitches because they left their kids alone. That'd be, oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be, that'd be a good interview. Talk about feet off the ground. Let me tell you what Cat did was I saw his feet. <laughs> oh. Oh. We're gonna straight, we're gonna straight clickbait this entire interview. Like Lunell talks not. about Cat Williams <laughs> for 90 minutes and on the I'll podcast. Rip your ass up I'm gonna too. do like this. Don't Lun clickbait me. Lunell tells never before heard <laughs> Cat Williams stories. <laughs> <laughs> if you could pick one person to do a movie with, who would it be? You pick one you haven't worked with yet. Not you. Well, you've worked with me. We've done three movies. 
We're not doing any more, though. We might. God, I haven't worked. You had to play my love interest, Gary. Oh, I'd fuck the shit out of you. <laughs> and that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, is the whole motherfucking point. That, I rest my case. And then, I got to ask him both questions. And then Damn. when I hit him from the back, I'd be like, this dick's way better than Cat Williams, isn't it? <laughs> hey, Lunell, have you ever fucked Cat? <laughs> hey, meow. Say meow. I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm <leaving>. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you gotta ask the question, no, Lunell. No, get the fuck back. Sit fuck down you. here. Fuck you, Sit the fuck down. Fuck you. Finish the fucking interview. No, I, I won't do another Cat Williams joke. I promise. I won't ask about Cat the rest of the show. I won't. I promise. If you could work with one person that you haven't worked with, who would it be? Just one. Anybody. And they said, Lunell, this is your movie. Pick a co-star. I don't know. Who would I work with? Probably Cat. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Now I saw last week. I thought you were on Mike Tyson's podcast. You just wanted to hang out with him. Yeah, I just wanted to go hang out with Mike. Now, how'd you meet Tyson? So Mike and I met from Eric B. No, I was talking about Sicily. <laughs> Sorry, Sicily <laughs> Tyson. Yeah, no. When we did Devil in a Blue Dress, um, <laughs> Eric B. and I are good friends from Eric B. and Rockham. Mm-hmm. And uh, I lent Eric one of my cars one time, and then he was coming to my house to drop it off. So when I lived in Studio City, and he was like, yo, Russ, I'm coming through. I got the caveman with me. I was like, okay. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and Kung Lee was staying at my house that time. The UFC fighter. The UFC fighter, the, uh, the former Strike Force middleweight champion. Mm -hmm. And my mom was there from Canada visiting, and my uncle was visiting from India. He goes, yeah, I'm at the gate. I open the gate, and he comes up, and I, I goes, yeah, I got the, I'm like, I don't know who the caveman is. And uh, I look in the car and go, is that fucking Mike Tyson sitting in my car? And he goes, yeah. Mike Tyson gets out of the car and go, holy shit, Mike Tyson's at my house. What year was this? Like maybe eight years ago, 2012 maybe. Okay. And I'm like, what the good fuck is just happening right now? This is insane, right? Mike comes in and I go, Kung, 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 come here, come here. <laughs> and, and Kung goes, holy shit, that's Mike Tyson. <laughs> and Mike comes in and we're hanging out and I'm like, and I grew up with Lennox Lewis. Lennox and I were amateurs at the same time. We weren't at mm -hmm. the same gym or in the same city, but we would see each other at tournaments and whatnot. You know when people meet you and they're trying to impress you, they'll say something like, oh, yeah, Gary, yeah, yeah, I'm friends with Will Packer, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, oh, yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, cool. And then you're like, they probably never, they maybe met him once or something, yeah. and they, that was it. So I'm like, you know, Mike, I grew up with Lennox. He goes, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And then I'm like, oh, okay. I guess he doesn't believe me, right? I'm like, then maybe a couple, maybe a half an hour later, my mom's talking. She goes, you know, Mike Lennox used to come over for lunch all the time. And I go, Mike looks at me and goes, I said, I told you I grew up. And he goes, I know you know the motherfucker like that. I said, yeah, I know him since I was 15. So then Mike's hanging out. And I took pictures of him on my turntables. And I put the turn, he was like trying to DJ. Yeah. And then we just became friends from that. And from like, that my, day. From that day. And then he's texting me on my birthday. He was like, he sent me a voicemail. Uh, yeah, well, he called me. He called me on my birthday that year. It was like, yeah, was well, uh, happy birthday, my brother. Looking forward to getting to know you better over the years and yeah. stuff. <laughs> Seems like a cool brother, man. You know. So what do you think is gonna happen he's with going, the Roy he's, Jones? He's going to hurt Roy Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said to Mike last week, I said, Mike, I feel bad for Roy. He goes, don't feel bad for that fu that fucking guy. He's gonna make a lot of money. He can buy himself a fly ass wheelchair. <laughs> That's like, scary. Oh man, that hurts. But he's in such good spirits now. Like it. He's so focused too. He's like really he's focused. In a good place. He says he feels good about it. He goes, "It's the first time I feel good training." Oh my god! Because that listen, his he, memory though is insane. 
Tyson's? Mike Tyson has... I, I pride myself on having a good memory. Yeah, me too. But his memory, like, it's ridiculous. It's like next level because... When I first met him that one time, when we first met, you know, I'm asking him all kinds of questions. And I mentioned this guy that I met when I met him in Toronto when Chappelle was shooting Half-Baked and he was, he was in the movie and his name was Ray Hinton. And I asked him about him then. That was nine, eight or nine years ago. Last week when we're hanging out, and I've hung out with Mike a few times, many, many times, and out of nowhere, Mike's like, we're talking, he's like, Russell, man, there's no reason you and me should know the same fucking people, you know? We built different. You know all these same fucking gangsters I know. And I go, I, I don't know. I just know these guys. He's like, it doesn't make sense, you know? You know, It goes to Chuck Zito, who was there with me. He goes, yo, Chuck, the first time I met this fucking guy, he asked me about Ray Hinton. I'm like, yo, you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yo, that's fucking crazy. Like, did you remember that? It was a detailed thing to remember. Yeah. It's like it, it's, an, it's an insane memory. Huh. That's why I think he's going to be great in the fight. I go, Mike, your memory's in, insane. He goes, yeah, at least I still got that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I got a little more than that. Looking yeah. at hit them bags. Oh, yeah, I don't want to be a bag even. I just can't believe they're not going to wear headgear. No headgear, no, um, no uh, judges. It's just a free-for-all then. They're going there's back a, to Jack Johnson it's shit. It's a referee, and, there's, and uh, whoever's deemed unfit to continue will not continue. Is it going to be rounds? Yeah, yeah three-minute three rounds. Three-minute rounds. Fuck that, dude. I mean, I feel bad for Roy. God. I mean, you know Roy's gonna be training his ass off. I know, but like Roy was the Roy's you the can't classic. Train your chin. That's what I'm saying. Once he got knocked out by Tarver, yeah, he and was then Glenn, never the same. And then Glenn Johnson. Yeah, and I was then, like this. And then some fucking bum in Russia. Remember? Exactly. <clears throat> like, and he he and he's been staggered numerous times since oh, then yeah, too. Yeah, like, yeah. So you know, but I'm like, dude, this is uh, this is a a, a heavyweight. That's been knocking out guys 250 pounds his whole life. Roy's not even 200 normally. But no, now, he, now he would. Now be. he is. Yeah, but Roy, I'm saying, Roy, I think talking about a natural build. Yeah, when you remember when Roy fought John Ruiz for the heavyweight title and he won it? Yeah. And I think Roy came in at like 201 or 202. Yeah. It went, it went, Ruiz could have been one of the worst heavyweights. Yeah, but that's champions fine. of all time. That's fine. That but, was tailor made. Yeah, but that was great. But, but Roy came in just over the limit. Yeah. God damn, why? Oh, my God. And he spanked him. He outboxed him like crazy. <sighs> this is going to be ugly. Yeah, but it's going to be good. I'm watching. We're all fucking watching. And that's in September, right? And yeah, it's September, September 12th. September 12th. 12th. And Mike was telling me, like, it's a League of Legends, so it's, like, all sports. What do you mean? So, like, hockey, legendary hockey players are going to play a hockey game against each other. Legendary golfers are going to play against each other. Legendary tennis players are going to play against each other. Any retired yeah, boxing's different. Any game. retired elite athlete will be in this thing, and it's going to be fucking amazing. Boxing's a different ball game, man. I know. Motherfuckers get hurt. I know, but that's what makes it exciting. Oh, I mean, geez. I think it'll culminate with ultimately ending with him fighting Holyfield at the end of it. But Holyfield's got to fight somebody first. You know what I mean? Maybe they'll get Holyfield to fight uh, Bo again or something. I don't know. I think I don't that, think that's going to happen. But Holyfield, I, I know is... Bo needs the money. Yeah, and I'm sure Bo can get his ass in shape. Uh, sort of. I mean, but Bo's mad punchy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel bad. Like I met him in uh, in Atlantic City when I was like, "What's up, champion?" Like, I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. Every time I see his interviews, I'm like, "Wow." Yeah, his tongue and looks he, like it weighs ten pounds when he's talking. I was like, "What's up, man?" In his career, outside of Andrew Galata, I don't remember him taking a bunch of punishment to be that way. Um, those wars against Holyfield took it. That's yeah. Him. Yeah. 
Those were fucking wars. Yeah, they were fucking throwing bombs back then. Yeah. I remember back then, I was buying into the great white hype, Tommy Morrison. Hey, Tommy was a good fighter at that time. He could have kept his head together, man. He, yeah. he wasn't training at all. He was fucking everything. Oh, yeah. Drinking. Well, he died of AIDS, right? Yeah. But there's, I mean, he's had legendary nights in Kansas City where they was like, you know, two weeks before a fight, they were dragging him out of the bar. Oh, not, yeah, yeah. not the bar's closed, get out, Tommy. Like, he's passed out. Somebody needs to come get him. Yeah. That's because of the Rocky movie. That's what blew him up. Yeah, that's right. Tommy Gunn. Tommy Gunn. And then I remember the one time I think he was focused and ready to go was against uh, Foreman. He fought, a, he fought a safe fight against Foreman. Wasn't it one of his last fights against uh, Lennox? That was on a downfall. Like, but that was also after, after that fight is when they found out he had AIDS, HIV. Yeah. yeah you know, like, and Lennox was scared as fuck. I remember Lennox was like, yo, what the fuck? I just, this guy bled on me. I'm like, yo, I'm so scared. I was, like, I was scared for Len. I remember getting arguments with people, like, not physical arguments, but like barbershop arguments when I was like, dude, Lennox ain't, uh, when he fought Mike, I was like, Mike's not ready for Lennox right now. No. Do you know what I mean? No. Mentally, everything. I said, Lennox, you guys don't give enough credit, man. That guy was, he's one of the most underappreciated heavyweight champs. What people don't know, too, is that Lennox and Mike had sparred many, many times in the 80s. So Lennox told me that, uh, like in 84, uh, right before the Empire Games, New York State Games, mm-hmm. um, they f- Lennox went up to go and meet Mike. That was the first time he met him. Like 83, 84, he met him. And uh, my, he was like, Mike was really nice and really friendly. And then the minute they got in the ring to spar, he was like, yo, this guy's fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, Lennox like, okay, I adjusted. And then the next time we fought, I, I figured him out. Mm-hmm. But he's, Lennox was like, I always knew. I'd, I always knew how to fight him because I'd sparred with him at it when he was a beast. Yeah. So I already knew how to fight him. I remember watching the Olympic trials, and they did a big piece on Customato and Mike Tyson. And then Mike lost to... Henry uh, Tillman. Tillman, yeah. I was like this. Wow, I just watched this great piece. Yeah. And he comes in, and then he loses. I went, well, what the fuck was that? And then I was like, all of a sudden, then he just started knocking people out. Then he was Kid Dynamite on the cover Sports Illustrated. And then I remember... We were driving in that that hot ass station wagon mm-hmm. down to Cocoa Beach. We stopped at a hotel, and this is before you couldn't just get fights when he fought Spinks. Right. And I remember thinking, uh, we didn't know until the next day, because there was no way to get the news until the paper came oh, out yeah, the next 19, morning. Eight, 1988. That was June of 1988. Yeah. So I'm Ooh. like this. I'm literally that night going. Well, I don't know what happened because they they had you thinking Spinks had a shot. Spinks was undefeated. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember well, I woke up and saw the paper and it was like ninety one seconds or something. Yeah, ninety one seconds. What the fuck was that? Yeah, remember the yeah. Diet Pepsi sponsored that one. Yeah, <laughs> I remember because it was like literally the weekend after high school ended for me. That was when the fight was. Yeah, it was like school ended on the Friday or something, and and the fight was on the Saturday. Where where were you when he fought Buster Douglas? I was at a nightclub in Toronto. And it was uh, this club called Empire, and I was there, and nobody was really going to get that fight because it was like, eh, who the fuck is this guy? Mm-hmm. They were waiting for Holyfield. Yeah, and then I was like, eh, I guess we'll just find out what time Mike, knocked, how, how fast Mike knocked this guy out. And then I remember I, my dad, or I think I called my dad, it must have been like 11.30 at night, I was like, is there any word on that uh, Tyson fight? He goes, Mike got knocked out. And I go, shut the fuck up. He goes... He got beat up, stopped in the 10th round. I'm like, what the? And I go, I go to this guy, Mike, that ran the club. I was like, and he was a, Mike was one of those diesel brothers. Like, you know, always in really great shape. And 
he was a pretty boy, but he was jacked. And I knew he knew how to fight, but I didn't realize how hard this motherfucker hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yo, Mike, fucking Tyson just got knocked out. He's like, what? And he pulls up on TV. And then, and as soon as Mike got hit, he smacked me on my back so hard. Yo, what the fuck? I remember going, huh? <laughs> what did I That's do the worst in the small of your back too. No, no, the, right, the, right the here? meat part, the oh. center. Just, I thought he broke my spine. Yeah, I was working at Taco Bell. Stop bragging. Man. Yeah, Jesus, you're dropping all these names. I'm Taco telling you, man. Bell, That's Coco what I do. Beach. I was working. At ta- <laughs> Listen, all these socks. my white trash is tried and true. <laughs> I remember working at Taco Bell, and I got off, and I remember I, I took everything when they closed like all the tacos they could have i mean my family ate well the three oh, yeah. months i worked at taco bell so my mom picked me up and i was like hey had the fight started and she goes well they were walking into the ring on my way to get you i said it's probably over right so when i got home it was in the third round and i remember sitting there going <clears throat> oh fuck this guy's this guy's kind of fighting mike yeah, and he- it was at that i didn't see the first two rounds but i remember the announcer's going well, we weren't expecting this. Yeah. We came to fight, man. Is he is he really teeing off? Is he is he, is he instigating yep. the 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 exchanges? I was like, oh shit. And then when he got the, knocked down, the referee was Octavio Moran, I think. Oh really? That's how I just remember how quiet it was in the audience. Oh yeah, because it was Japan. Yeah. So they they didn't it, that that's what kind of sucked about it was that that it didn't oh. get the scream that it should have. Can you imagine if that was in Vegas? There would have been riots. Oh my god, and like. I can remember exactly what Jim Lampley said when Mike Tyson knocked out Trevor Burbick. Remember? And we have a new era in boxing. Yeah. There was none of that shit. It was like. Yeah. Nothing. Even when they were, they were just sitting there. Yep. Mm. It's like they were watching tennis. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. It almost was a good thing. Do you know that? They would have destroyed know, it, that casino. Theoretically, <clears throat> that fight should have been stopped. I mean, he knocked out Buster Douglas, and they got a long count in that fight. Mm-hmm. But it goes back. Did Buster hear the count? And it's like, I'm, I'm waiting until nine to get up. Yeah. Because he didn't seem like he was knocked out. Because remember, he hit the ground like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. He got caught. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think he still would have got up. Even though the count was long, I do think he would have got up. He got up. him and then the bell rang, remember? That's right. So he, got, he right. literally got saved by the bell. Yeah. That was what, the eighth round or seventh round or that something? That was the eighth. And yeah. then everybody thought, and then he just came out of the ninth, like, almost knocked Mike. I remember he, that's the first time I'd see Mike hit that hard where his head just went. Boom. I think that was right at the end of the ninth. I was like, oh, shit. It it was literally like Drago and Rocky. He's hurt. He's hurt. And then when he tried to pick up his mouthpiece. Oh, God. Sideways. Oh, my God. This is all bad. I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? Girl Strip came out in 2017, correct? Yes, correct. And you filmed it in 2016. Correct. So I remember reading like Variety or one of those trade magazines and i saw that you got casted in girls trip and i was like oh that's cool and then when i saw the cast i saw queen latifah jada pinkett smith and regina regina hall and i was like i was like oh okay and so i'm thinking you were like me and think like a man you know it it wasn't yours but you were in it with the ensemble with the names with it then when i saw it and i go oh shit Tiff's the catalyst behind this thing. Like, I know Regina's the narrator and everything. I go, but Tiff is... It's Regina movie. Yeah, it's Regina's like... But I go, Tiff is the one that's just the the wild card in all this. And uh, it was definitely more of an ensemble than than Think Like a Man because it was like all four of you had 
equal storylines. We think like command, some people had a bigger storyline than other couples and things of that nature. But I called Will Packer when, uh, when I saw the movie and I said, yo, Will, I go, I've never been as happy for somebody as I have for Tiffany. Because, you know, you just, you watch a movie and you can tell, you're like, oh, shit's about to change. There's no way you can watch that and not see that coming. Did you feel that when you were filming it? When I was filming it, I just was like, I'm gonna have fun. And I personally felt like, you know, I was just the person to help push the story along. That was my job. Um, and to be funny and just to push things along. I didn't, I personally didn't think my character had a real story like everybody else's character. Like everybody else got to make out with a guy. I didn't get to kiss nobody. <laughs> everybody else got to like do sex stuff. I just talked about sex stuff. I didn't do sex stuff. I mean, you had, the, it, you had the fruit. I mean, but that was fruit. I didn't have a real person. Like the closest thing I got to like being intimate with somebody was riding on the, the dude that was riding the, the bike's lap. Yeah. Like that was the closest intimacy that I got to have in a movie, which I thought sucked. But otherwise, I just, my I, when we were filming it, I just felt like I'm making new friends. These women are amazing. I'm learning so much. And every time Queen Latifah was like, just do it, Tiff, just do that shit, do that shit, just go for it. Then I'd be like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and that's the best. Now, did you, did, was that a, did you make that up or was that in the script, the grapefruit, the infamous grapefruit scene? That, that, that was in the script. When I read the script, I was like, oh, I'm going to get this movie because I know how to do that already because I saw the video <laughs> uh, that Auntie Angel had dropped in 2012 of the grapefruit. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I tried it in 2013. And I, uh, no, I tried it in 2012. And that's how I got a Corvette. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. From my, from my you know... Well, it was my it was my Corvette. It was in my name, but we had put the money down. It was my money. You know what? I bought that shit myself. Yeah. So it wasn't a grapefruit. I mean, it was a great. The grapefruit is what inspired them to take me to the lot and stuff, and be like, "This is the kind of car you should have." <laughs> you know, you the woman that should have this kind of car. And then I was like, "Okay," but even though I really wanted a Volkswagen Eos, I got a Corvette. Mm. Now, where's the Corvette now? I sold it so I could get a Volkswagen Eos. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. And that's in the backyard. And I had to sell it because, you know, he wanted me to have that. And, then, you know, anything he wanted me to have, I got rid of. Right. Smart. Just cut ties completely. You want yeah, no memories of that. Especially in case there's a tracking device on it. You know, whenever I see comics beefing or talking crazy about another comic, that just unsolicited, though. Like, yeah. it just comes out of left field. You attack somebody. I always take a step back. And, I, you know, like everybody, you have issues with certain people at certain points in your career. And sometimes it's in your own head. Sometimes that person really didn't do anything, but you start getting in your feelings thinking they did. And thank God I got my wife because she always, when I, when I vent, she says, Gary, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're just so off base. And, and with you... It's always like, like you've been attacked a lot in the last couple of years on social media and some comedians and everything. And you just kind of kind of ride above it, I've noticed. Because I'm, I'm always under the whole, listen, man, is if a comic's working and they have a project, you're just, you're eliminate yourself from, from ever working with them again. 
in a lot of aspects when you attack them like that. I go, I just sometimes I want to shake comments like, what are you doing? That was unnecessary. That's the little jealousy issue thing. But, you know, my, my mom trained me for this. The first person I ever loved, my mother, is the first person to be like my bully, my attacker, my my biggest critic, my biggest hater. The, the person like, oh, yeah, go on, do that. You suck. You a garbage. You look like your ugly ass daddy. Like, so can't nothing nobody say to me affect me the way that it, that she do. So mm-hmm. I don't care. I know that they're wasting their energy. And the fact that they're thinking about negative things to say about me means they're really in love with me. They really care about me. This business, you just, uh, I- I've learned to be happy for people's successes. And especially, like, good people. Like, you, you're a good person at the core, like, like, Kevin Hart's a good person at the core. Joe Coy's a good person at the core. Lil Rel. Like, yeah. they're just, like, good people. That I, Honestly, that I just, you, you want to work with in the future. Like, I just want to work exactly. with you guys in the future like, on something. Everyone you named plus you, I would work with a thousand times over. And I think that's what the, the key is to this industry when it's like, oh, it's so hard to get in Hollywood. No, people want to work with people they know they get along with. They know that's going to be on time. They know that's going to deliver the talent. That's not going to give them a hard time and that they can make money off of like if they can make money they're gonna work with you right if you are asshole if you always a debbie downer if nobody wants to be around you then you're not gonna succeed in this business and and pretending to be cool or pretending to be fun to be around is so fake and people see through it and that's not gonna last but being yourself that's what i love about you 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 have never changed how you talk to me how you communicate with me has never ever changed and i think that's so important because, you know, they say, oh, when you get money, you change. No, nope. the people change. That's what I've noticed. Exactly. And the people that are always the same to me, treat me the same way, are the people that I, I consistently work with. Consistently, If you ask me to do something, I'll be like, all right, cool, I can do it. Or, or you know, if I got the time, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm doing your podcast. Because you've yeah. always treated me the same with yeah. respect and dignity. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Not that I don't want to be self-serving on the podcast, but I told Will when Girls Trip came out, I said, Girls Trip 2, uh, I'm Tiffany's boyfriend. I'm calling it Will. <laughs> I go, and it's not because of the grapefruit scene. That's not what I'm calling. <laughs> it's not because of the grapefruit, but it is. That's not but what I'm calling. That's not what I'm calling. I think my facial expressions would kill it. <laughs> well, we have one, one scene on Undercover Brother 2. Yeah, and but well, you kept of. laughing. You kept like looking like I can't look at this guy's face without yeah. laughing. And I don't know if I should have been offended by that. No, no. You you talking about around the the boardroom yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Because you you just had a different. I mean, I couldn't get ready for all the different things you were doing, and so <laughs> it kind of threw me. So I mean, I had to kind of like look at you, but not look at you. <laughs> I had to do that a lot in this movie too. I was like, man, this dude. Well, Welcome to Sudden Death came about. I'll never forget it. I'm in Spokane, Washington, and I get done with the show, and I'm doing a meet and greet, and I see, uh, I see, I don't get a lot of DMs, by the way. I'm not a rapper. I see one, for, obviously, when you got a verified check, you notice them. So I see yours, and you go, hey, Gary, uh, here's my cell. Reach out to me. I got this movie I'm getting ready to shoot. I'm seeing if you want to, if you're interested. Now, I could lie and be like, I might have said, yeah, reach out. Let me read the script. I knew I was going to say yes. Because <laughs> I remember I, my opener, I go, I go, hey, man, this is real, right? Because my opener is also my web guy. He goes, yeah, yeah, it's real. I go, all right, I'm going to call him. And like a couple days later, I said, yeah, they're, I think they're going to really go to bat for me on this film. 
And then a week later, you told me the, the, the studio had somebody else in mind or some other people, and you and the director was really going to bat for me. And a month later, we was in Winnipeg yeah, shooting yeah. a movie, man. So I don't know if I probably said thank you, but thank you for going to bat for me. Hey, man, hey, well, you're welcome, but you helping us out. Fa- fact is, you know, I, I, I had some influence there, right? So it's like, you know, you, you get... You get your way in the position I'm in a little bit, mm-hmm. but plus I was like, nah, this is the cat. Uh, y'all, y'all get to you know get credit like you y'all, y'all thought of it. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But I just knew with the combination, I thought, you know, just from working with you with undercover uh, undercover brother, I'm like, nah, nah, this, this guy he'll make it his own thing, and he'll just run with it that way. And and I was right about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you you came up with some fun. Oh, damn! I, can you curse on this? Yeah, it's oh, a podcast. You, you came up with some funny stuff. <laughs> you cuss funny shit. <laughs> no, funny shit's no, not no. funny stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no. But the hardest thing was keeping a goddamn straight face with you. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, just, <laughs> I hope they kept all that shit in. I didn't see the fi- the, the final. Well, we gonna we gonna find yeah, out yeah. this Tuesday. This Tuesday, September 29th yeah. on Netflix. I hate it when they do the promos and they put DVD on there. I go, yeah. what? <laughs> Who's got a DVD player? I don't have one. I don't even I have like, one. Universal. Let's change the marketing. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I have a special come out in 2012, which I recorded in 2011 called True Story. And that special, my last joke is how I am not allowed to say the N-word. But I figured out how to. I can have my friends say it for me. So I set up this fake scenario where these guys were getting in a fight, and this guy kept calling me the N-word. And I said, well, I can't call back. So I had my friend uh, come on stage and say the N-word for me, a black guy. Killed, right? Yes. I'm watching, two years later, I'm watching this show called Chocolate Sundays on Showtime. And it's a sketch comedy show. Pookie Wigginton show, yeah. The show, it only lasted one season. And they literally took that joke and turned it into a sketch. And I'm watching it play out, and I go, what the? And I've never, ever been the guy accusing people of stealing jokes. Because I know comedians, our minds think alike a lot. There's only so I many. I am. I always. You will. Of, if, if something sounds You'll... too much alike or something sounds, even if I fuck up and slip, I make sure that I narrate to myself the mistake and how it was made, like, and, I, and then I address it. But... I've always said this for the new internet guys and everybody who, who you have to make your own platform. I understand that. Much love to everybody who's even building something from doing that, especially the ones who really become comics and dedicate themselves to the craft. But you cannot take someone, someone did this to me, Gary, and not like to your level. That's huge. But this guy got like 3 million views on fucking Worldstar. He took something from Powerplay, a joke, and he said it in his car like he was ranting. He was like, my boy in the club, he did my joke. And I was like, and this is right when, uh, uh, maybe a year after Q died. And I commented on it. I said, this is what Worldstar is now. You just take people's jokes. And we don't have a guild. That's one of the problems. Yeah, we don't have a writer's guild. We don't guild. have a guild, where, a, a guild where we wrote our material. And if you use it, we get a but check that, every time. Like that's, music. A, that's a little different. Because you're talking about somebody that's probably not a comedian. Thinking nobody saw power play but me. Yeah. I'm talking about when comedians accuse other comedians. The platform is just bad. Like, they should... Someone... If those guys who did the skit did not know, someone should have known. 
Oh, they, they knew. They knew. Here's the thing. Here's where it all goes left. So I'm watching this show called Chocolate Sundays. I see my joke from my special, uh, and I'll tell you where D-Ray comes into play in a minute. And they took it verbatim and just turned it into a sketch. And I went, they had a, a white guy that owed another uh, – a, a a white guy owed a black guy money. The black guy came, where's my money? And then he said, chill out. And then the, another black guy said the N-word, right? I'm watching it going, no way. I called Pookie on the phone when I saw it. I said, Pookie, uh, why didn't you guys just – all you had to do was call me? I mm-hmm. would have said you could do the sketch just say based on a joke by Gary Owen. I or, said, I would have told or, you. Or, or should have had you play the person. Right, Exactly. So I told Pookie, I said, Pookie goes, man, well, we have a think tank. I said, listen, just tell me who wrote the joke. Who, it's a, if you're telling me you got writers for sketches, who wrote that sketch? And I know, where to, I know who to call. He right. couldn't tell me. He could not tell me who. He, the, Pookie said, we have a think tank, Gary, and we all sit around this think tank, and we come up with the sketches. I go, who was in the think tank? He could not give me a name. I go, who wrote the goddamn sketch, dude? He never – he goes – he said, what do you want me to do? I said, there's nothing to do now. I go, but god damn, man. If you're going to put a sketch comedy show together, I said, get some original sketches. Don't take jokes from other comics. So the show only lasted a, 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 a season. Then the goddamn bit went viral on YouTube. They posted it like two years later. The Laugh Factory's website posted it, and it went viral again. And the goddamn – the Laugh Factory and the white dude that played the sketch. I don't know what they built. No, yeah. <laughs> the white dude that played the sketch. They, they would say before people start commenting, they go, and before you say anything that this bit was stolen, uh, we filmed this in 2013 or 2014. I go, oh, okay, my special was filmed in 2011. Right. So here's where D-Ray comes into play. D-Ray was there when the joke was written. And let me tell you what happened. And D-Ray, you was there, so you know. We're at, we're at the improv on Melrose. In like 2008 or 9, D-Ray does Monday nights there. And I got a heckler. I had a, a black dude was heckling me. And I said to the black dude, I said, man, if I was black, I'd call you the N-word right now. And the crowd started laughing, D-Ray being the antagonist on the side of the stage, say it. Say it, Gary. I dare you. You can say it. I said, motherfucker, you say it. I think it. I just saw the tape of that. I just, I got the. You I sent me the- it. You sent me the tape of the night it happened. That's crazy. And I said, well, goddamn, D-Ray, you come up here and say it. And you came up, and I gave you the mic, and you said it. And then I started saying, yeah, now what? By the, by the third time, I'm going to tell you when it was when you, you were already working toward stardom or whatever comedically. But by the third time, we were at Comedy Store. Comedy Store. Yeah, Sunset. And when, when we did it there, it was a wrap. I was like, Gary's gone. I was like, I need a joke like that now. We did it oh, on the Shack Tour. No, we did it on the Shack Tour. But uh, that's the thing. Like the joke was so organically written and came about just like 
because uh, I got a heckler and you was there that night. And then we that's funny. We every time I would see you, I'd just be like, Hey man, let's do the joke. Like every time I would see you, I'd pull you aside, hey DB, let's do that joke. Like, and we go yeah, up and like do it. LeBron Wade, the, the alley oop is coming. Ex- like no matter exactly. what. Exactly. And then and then we went on tour. That's how we closed the entire 2011 Shack tour. Was that joke? And yeah, and then when I saw it, I went, "There's no way." You said someone said before you said stolen. Oh, the the white guy's name's Bill something. He says it like he says on on the comment pages like oh. when I, when he when they they just they posted it a couple years ago and then they reposted it. And they, on like Instagram or something, he goes, and before you guys start saying this was stolen, we did this bit in 2013 or something and, like that. But And you know me, I'll go on the page in all caps, it's stolen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the laugh factor, he'll say the same thing. The laugh factor is like, it's not stolen. That was just a stolen joke. That was, there's no way. And the fact that Pookie could not tell me who wrote it. And to this well, day. Well, Pookie, I, I, just every, you know, Pookie, Pookie is beyond a businessman. Even if he was in the, which I doubt he was even in the room when they did it. He's just like, right. that's funny. I doubt if he was even in a fucking room. But I not- think he was covering. I think he didn't want to. You know, I'm not. I'm not like I'm gonna go beat somebody's ass. But I just wanted to let somebody know, like, yo, you know that was my joke, right? Just so yeah, you, you know. know. And he, I mean, he loves. He he don't want you not to come to his room, so he wouldn't do nothing. To him. He knows longevity is everything. So yeah. But, but he has to acknowledge it like that because I used to call him all the time with uh, one of the comments. I don't want to get into it because the guy's doing good now. We haven't crossed paths in a while. But I used to be like, this dude is doing my whole style. He's talking about this and that. And he don't even have that. He don't even live that life. Like, this dude is married. Up there talking about bitches, this, this, that. Like, that ain't how he talked before I got here. But Pookie protect him like, D, that's not going to step on you. You're going to be you no matter what. So... But that's definitely one yeah. of the cases of, of the stolen missing joke. That joke just was definitely was on first 48. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, that's the only time I have ever just said that was stolen from my act. Ain't it crazy watching something, though, and your face probably was like, I wish somebody would have filmed your face. When oh, she was right. like, this, this the face I, right here. Like, what the fuck? Hold on. Wait. I had to watch it again. So like, did I just see that? <laughs> it went this way. My head went this way, then this way. We go to the back of the TV, make sure it's plugged up. Somebody <laughs> Am I getting punked? Is somebody in my house right now? <laughs> that would be hilarious, yeah. Oh, and then, uh, but that's what got me. When he couldn't tell me who wrote it, that's when I went, Pookie, come on. You're telling me you're executive producer of us, and you can't tell me who wrote the joke? He, I on, ain't man. snitching. I ain't no snitch. That, that's what that was, yeah. No I ain't snitch. no snitch. You got me confused, Gary. <laughs> That'd be funny if you came at me hard. What? What? You, yeah, we took it. What? What? Thanks, uh, okay, motherfucker. Well, Jokes get <laughs> yeah. took. Jokes get that's took every day, B. Because D-Ray, if, knowing you, you probably thought Black Panther was yours. <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck, I said Wakanda in 2006. Yeah, I, I've been saying it forever. <laughs> So the last time I saw you was January. We was on that tour, the 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 Mike Epps right. run we was doing. Right. January, we're at the James L. Knight Center, and I freaking walk into my dressing room, and somebody just start. Somebody opened all the liquor, all the mixes, and hold on, I don't have Oreo cookies in my writer, right. but for some reason there's Oreo cookies in my dressing room, and that shit was open. I go, and I'm looking around like, what the fuck? 
So, you know, I'm just with Brad normally, my right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Brad's with me. I go, did you come over here earlier, Brad? He goes, nah, I came over to make sure your agreement was straight. And I was like, well, what the fuck is this? So the only people there when I got there was you and Michael Blackson. Right. So Blackson's across the hall. I go to Blackson. It's just normal two dudes. I'm like, all right. I look in your dress room. You're having a fucking rap concert. You guys are freestyling <laughs> or something. <laughs> I poked my head in, and it's fucking 3 a.m. at Live in Tony's dressing room. It's like, where are all these dudes coming? And there's like music on you guys. Are you up? You like go, all right, I go, I'm just doing the math. I got a feeling it's somebody in this room right now. Because you didn't have your normal, usually you right, had your right, guys right, to roll with. Right. You had a lot of extra guys that yes. night. So I told Brad, I go, Brad. Uh, I don't really care who did it. I go, but I need everything replaced because I don't right. know if somebody put some in my shit. Right, right. Brad disappears for 15 minutes and come back going, I don't think it's happening, man. I go, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I go left quick. I go, uh. so I go find the promoter. I said, I need all my shit replaced. I go, what, what the fuck? Somebody went in my shit. Right. So now I'm going, Brad, go find out who went in my shit, Brad. And then I, I go, I got a feeling somebody in Tony's dressing room. I go, because there's only so many people here. And they had a security guard in our dressing room, and Epps people weren't there yet. Right. So I'm doing the process of elimination. <laughs> and Samora only travels with her husband. Wayne, right. So right. I'm like this. The one Samora, she's on another wing. So I'm literally. And why you're, a restaurant. So huh? she wouldn't, her, her, her uh, rider is like a restaurant. Oh, yeah, so yeah, you yeah. Meet, you're she good. Going, yeah. So when you went on stage, your whole freestyle boogie down Bronx crew. <laughs> now they're on the side stage watching you go up, and I'm going. Everybody going. What's in your cup? What's in your cup? Because I had, I got Belvedere, club soda, Red Bull, and like cranberry juice. I that's the only mixes I got. Right. So I'm going. What's in your cup? What's in your cup? I'm looking. Right. One dude. He he should never commit a crime or be on the first 48. He wasn't your normal crew. He's like, huh? I go. Where'd you get that? Where'd you get that drink? Because now I'd already looked at your dressing room. Right. I go, you ain't got that. Right, 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 right. So, right, so right. I'm like, Tony ain't got Belvedere and shit. So I'm looking. I'm like, okay, who's got vodka? So this guy, <laughs> full glass, right? And I go, I go, where'd you get that? What? I go, where'd you get that, man? He was sorry. He came up with some excuse. I was like this. Okay. I walked away. I go, I know who did it. And then I'm telling Brad, and then Brad's like, and then I told the promoter, you want me to kick him? I go, no, 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 no. I just don't think he knows any better. It's fine. I go, but I know who did it. Right. And then. I get off stage. I go up. I get off stage. The dude that I confronted comes up with his phone. He goes, hey, man, I appreciate the way you came at me. He goes, but I ain't on that sucker shit. And he showed me a phone of some video of him when he got here and shit. I go, what does that have to do with anything? But here's the thing. Security, why would they see it? Because the hallway's this way, but all three of our dressing rooms was down that little side right. hallway. Right. It was Blackson, me, and mm -hmm. you. So they could have easily went in and security didn't see it. So I was like this. So I'm just letting you know, you got a rude motherfucker in but your you crew. But you know what? Now, <laughs> <laughs> my rebuttal. That weekend was what? MLK weekend in, in Miami, yep. right? That was yep. a holiday weekend. So what, right? I'm, just, I do no, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So that's why the entourage got take. exponentially bigger that weekend. Because it was like, okay, I land and I put a video like, yo, I'm in Miami for the weekend. We had James all night. Somebody might hit me like, yo, son, I'm in town. All right, yeah. pull up. Yo, where you at? I'm at the hotel. Come through. So it gets bigger and bigger. That's when the stragglers start coming, the guys I don't really know. Yeah. And they start coming around and start, you know, taking liberties. So I don't even know which dude you're talking about, but it wasn't my regular guys. Oh, I, they know, know, I know what your regular they guys. Know, they know the rules. Yeah. And second part of this, you know, I used to not even have a writer until one city, 
I forgot what city it was. I went in your dressing room by mistake. When I first got on the tour with Mike, mm-hmm. and it was it's you, it's Mike, it's uh, Quake. I'm like, shit, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That they even offered me some dates. So they would send, you know, what do you want for your rider? I'm like, I'm, I'm not tripping. I just, I'm just, I'm good. I'm just happy to be on the show. Mm-hmm. And then I would get like a bag of potato chips, like a literal <laughs> bag that you buy in a bodega and a bottle of water. I'm like, damn, that's... And then one time I got to the city, this wasn't that particular time, but one time I got to the city and before they put the names on the door, I got there that early. It was usually when we do like a, a college, like mm-hmm. auditorium. Yeah. I know that there's a basketball court there somewhere. So yeah. I go early, shoot around for a little bit before the show starts. So I, I think it was like Louisville. Yeah, I remember, I was going to say, I remember you showing a video of Louisville. Like you yeah. were so geeked to be on the practice on the court. court. Yeah, yeah. So I go early just to shoot around. I go in the room before they put the signs on the door. And I see bottles of liquor and soda and water and chips. And I'm like, yo, who? Damn, whose room is this? And they're like, oh, you, that's Gary's. Yours is over here. So I walk over to the other room and it's nothing. It's like a <laughs> bottle of water, maybe a Mountain Dew, some Skittles. I'm like, okay, next city, I want a rider. And yeah. that's when I started getting a rider because I saw what the fuck you were getting. Yeah. I was like, okay, I got to start living like I'm on this show for real. But you know what's funny? Like, I'm not a huge drinker like that, especially before I go up. I can't drink right. before I go on stage. Right. Can you, do you drink no, before you go on no, stage? No, no. I can't either. Some people get like, nah. they're fucking liquored up when they hit the other. Like, How you do that? Because then it's a crutch. I, I've always, when I started doing stand up, I would see comics who that like shots before they go on, have a bad set, more shots. Yeah. Have a bad set, more shots. And now you're just on stage fucked up. You're not even a comic now. You're just like a venting alcoholic. Yeah. I always want to be on top of my shit, though, in right. case you get a heckler right. or something. Right, right, right. I want to be on top right. of my shit. I want shit. all my synapses to be yeah. firing, you know? Brad, uh, Marometer, I went, to, <laughs> I went to his house in Atlanta. He had, I think he'd taken every bottle we've ever had on the road <laughs> that we did not open. I was like, dude, your liquor cabinet is fucking amazing. <laughs> I was like, you're welcome. <laughs> he, I forgot, like, at some, some stage, I had these exclusive Belvedere bottles. Like, I hadn't seen right. him before. I go, what? I, said, I looked at Brad, what? And then it hit me. I go, oh, you're taking the bottles. Hey, man. Hey. Unless you're in Miami and one of Tony's stragglers <laughs> drinks half of it. <laughs> it was like that day. I went gluten-free. And you never looked back? Mm-mm. Never cheated? I mean, it has to be worth it. I can't eat gluten and risk it. Yeah, It yeah, has yeah. like, I know, I know there's a lady I know that makes a really good apple crisp. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna go to her house and be like, no, I'm like, right, right, make right, that right. apple crisp, and I'm gonna destroy it. <laughs> Deal with the repercussions. Like if I if I splurge and eat, like I probably eat fast food once every five months, let's say. Mm-hmm. And if I'm gonna go to McDonald's get a fillet of fish, I'm you eating eat the fillet of fish. I've always wondered who is keeping the filet of fish in business. Once every five months, I order two of them. They're like, man, Gary gets them. My boy Tahir, he loves them. He gets a double filet of fish. Which that was too much. That's a lot. That's too much. <laughs> that's a lot, no, one. I'll do two flavor sandwich. I can't do double. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good balance between the fish, the fake fish, and the bread, <laughs> and the bread and the tartar sauce. You can't put two on there. Two it doesn't make it much. as good. <laughs> who, got, who does a double flavor fish? To hear more. To hear more. You're he gonna die do. soon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where. What camera are you gonna look at? You're gonna die soon, Tahir. Oh, you gotta stop, man. Tahir, it's like a regular thing. I wouldn't say it's regular, but he has done it. He's on his way out. That's 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 <laughs> a big choice, man. The double fillet of fish is a two pieces of fish like that. The same fish. It's not. Who? Okay. I'm sure he gets fries and a soda with it too. Have to. You got to. Tahir. 
You, you should change your name to To Go because you're on your way out. You're not going to be here very longer. Stop. For real, man. But if you do it like, like I do, once every five, six months, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. But you can't be like, okay, it's January. This is McDonald's. <laughs> February is Wendy's. <laughs> you know, March is Burger. No, no, no. I'm talking fast food yeah, in general. Yeah, yeah. It has to be completely worth it. Yeah, I, I got get my Midwest that. guys. So White Castle oh my is, is every six months. I'll eat it, and then it's out of my system. I'm like, I never want it again. It's literally out of your system right away. Yeah. People know that about White Castle. They're just like, I don't care. I never had it sober for the longest. Really? Because that was the late night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You sop that alcohol up. Let me tell you the funniest Four, White Castle Four, six little story. burgers. Okay. So I'm at a White Castle in Covington, Kentucky. <laughs> and <laughs> this white girl is in there. Just She sounds... Ur- I don't want to say black, but urban. Right, right. But it's it's a little forced. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah. some people do it. You're like, uh, you're that's how you were raised. Yeah, yeah. This was kind of forced. And she's going off on the White Castle waitress. And I'm just sitting there in line with my boy. There's a black chick in there. Yeah. 6'4 and thick. <laughs> and she's with like three white girls and real uh, meek demeanor. Yeah. Just sitting there. And his wife going off. And that white girl, the N-word came out of her mouth. And wow. she wasn't saying it, like, to anybody black. She said it to the white girl yeah. working the restaurant. I never seen <laughs> an accent leave so fast. <laughs> this black girl went, just went, the fuck you say? <laughs> and then she went, she went, no, 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 it's okay. She goes, no, it ain't okay. It's and okay. It, and all of a sudden, her arm, the black girl's arms came back and was like so... She was so much bigger yeah. than the white girl. She's looking down at her, just like a mother, yeah, even a yeah, daughter. Yeah. And the girl literally goes, I'm sorry. I just, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Like she was getting so progressively clueless white. I'm sorry. I just didn't know. I'm sorry. And I think she ended it with, let's go to Waffle House. <laughs> I was like, I bought her cruise food. Yeah, just because. I said, I just, I just want you to be happy tonight. I want you to look back and think oh my God. not all white people are bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like this. I got it. And it literally came to like $18. I was about to say, you're <laughs> like, man, it's an extra 20. You're Yo, good. It was one of those things where the black girl's vibe was just like clearly, hey, we had a good night. Let's get our food and we're leaving. Right. And that girl was not, did it, and not. And I wish I was one of the times I wish I was one of those people that film everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that was. Wait, a, this was recent? No, this had to be like 2005. Four. Oh, okay, okay. This is 15, 16 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that white girl's probably got eight kids, like five <laughs> different black dudes by now. <laughs> she had to make up for that mistake. I'm sure. <laughs> There's there's some junior high team right now with three of her mixed kids on the basketball team. That's hilarious. <laughs> there's no doubt. Ball is life has got some of her sons mixed yeah, kids right. coming out. Big baller brand. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Cedric the Entertainer? Oh man, Cedric the Entertainer is like for me, he just never really curled over. I never, I you thought he was the worst of the Kings of Comedy. Oh, oh, it was just. Like, when I saw it, I was like this. Why is he even on it? I was just like, you know, he got the suit on. He's, but I, he, just I, know, I didn't believe him. He ain't no suit. Shucky Ducky. Oh, I know man. that. You ain't want, no way that dude Shucky You want to talk ducky. about the realest comedians in the game. Look no further than Shucky Ducky. Yeah. Quack, quack. 
Come I on, heard man. when Cedric started, he slept with like four execs of BET. Oh. That's how he got the job on yeah, Comedy. Yeah, man. You know, I heard guys and girls. Oh man, and Cedric didn't. You know how he got his name? He how? stole it from a, a comedian in Vegas. He was doing a whole bunch of like mob jokes. Yeah. He was like, I like the entertainer. Let me get that. His name's not even Cedric. What is it? Steve. Steve? Yes. He's such a hack. Steve dude. Tainer is his name. So do he you know, added do you know the, int. the show, The Neighborhood, it uh -huh. was The Neighbor. Oh. And then they put a black family in and they go, we're going to call it Neighborhood. Of course. Of course. Hacky shit. I'm sure Cedric was like, yo, put the hood on it. You yeah. Because I want people to think I'm from the hood. Right. He's really from Idaho. He's not even from the Midwest. I, I He's never had it. barbecue. Ever. Ever. Hacky shit. Man. I never liked that. Don't dude. get me started on He's just, and Percy's an asshole. Oh, man, dog. Like, I saw like him. If you, like, when you meet some people, they're yeah. nicer in person. Right. He's Cedric worse in person. Oh, my God, man. I saw him take homeless change out of somebody's cup. And then he got back in his Bentley. I was like, this is just <laughs> the disrespect. He did it with a straight face, no smile, no. He reached in the cup, scooped out the change and the loose dollars, and got back in the Bentley. Got back in the Bentley? He got back in the Bentley. He Never wasn't even driving it. His driver was driving the Bentley, and Cedric ice grilled the homeless dude the whole time. It was, it was, I was like, Dick. man, Dick. you know. Bernie Mac never liked him. Oh. I ain't going to say how I know. Yeah. I had a conversation with Bernie. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was like, dude. I did not want. I want a Paul. He, Bernie wanted Paul Mooney. He did not want Cedric because he knew Paul was nice. Yeah, Paul's nice. He was a nice guy. Wow. And if you think Paul Mooney's nice, that shows you what a bigger dick Cedric is. It'd be it'd be your own people. And then when you look at the Kings of Comedy, Cedric was portrayed as the nicest one. Right. Like he was the like Seti Bear. Oh, no, it was Seti Dick. You wanted to hug him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, say, could you just come on camera real quick so they know I'm not assholes? <laughs> okay, we're not assholes. <laughs> Cedric was here. <laughs> and hop back in the Bentley. I was there. I was the homeless guy. Before you get out of here, I ask this to all my guests, and I ask this to all my guests, and I ask this to all my guests, I ask this to all my guests. One person you could work with in this business, any actor or director you haven't worked with. That I haven't worked with. Well, I haven't worked with a lot of people, so you can just name anyone, you know what I mean? Sheesh. We're giving you a movie. It's your movie. Who would it be? Man or woman, like, who do you want to work with? Oh, not you. Well, we've done three movies together you haven't worked with. I'd want people to make cameos. Dude, who the <laughs> fuck you want to work with? You guys <laughs> be giving complicated answers and shit. You know who I want to work with? Will Smith. Will Smith? Will Smith. Who do you want to be in it with? Kevin Costner. Wow, Will Smith's been the most popular one. No, fuck that. Uh, Kevin <laughs> Costner. <laughs> Gotta say Denzel. Denzel Washington and Martin Scorsese. Especially since I know Martin don't really put niggas in his movies. <laughs> Actually, I really like John Leguizamo. I always say his last name wrong, but... Leguizamo. Leguizamo. I always Spanish say Leguizamo. Leguizamo. Spanish in you. One artist you haven't worked with that you want to work with? I'm into that classic type music. Those are my heroes. Mm -hmm. Patrice Russian. I don't even know who that is. 
Oh my gosh. I'd love to be in a movie with Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. I feel like McQueen might be a good dude to work with, you know, because- The director? Yeah, yeah. Ely said the same thing. That was Ely's choice. I don't know. Who would I work with? Probably Cat. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! The one person if you could work with, you'd want to work with. How, re how rich are you? Gary Owen. Man, this motherfucker. You know what? We're gonna go another hour. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck my next guest. <laughs>